Uh, where to begin? Yeah, so um, the talk tonight is on right effort, and as I was uh, just saying, how inspired I am, and I'm pretty sure I can say we are, uh, the teaching team here, um, by so much uh, skillful, wise effort amongst other things. Um, but there's always room for improvement, yes? <laughs> I hope you think so. <laughs> Beware if you don't. <clears throat> so I'll just give some context uh, for those that um, may be unfamiliar with where that is fitting into this path. And this is a very brief context because um, if I went into these aspects, um, there would be no sleep tonight. We would stay and cover it all. <sighs> so one, uh, when Siddhartha Gautama became the Buddha or a Buddha, meaning awakened one. Uh, he awoke to um, and and then synthesized his awakenings into what's called the Four Noble Truths. The first Noble Truth is that there is Dukkha in this life experience. Dukkha, I prefer using Pali words sometimes because English just does not convey uh, correctly. But, um, you know, uh, with that in mind, uh, Dukkha can be translated, it's sometimes translated as suffering, uh, sometimes as stress, um, but it is also just discontent, just eh, don't really like it this way or that way or I wish it was this way. It can be every, you know everything up to absolute anguish and angst and despair. And um, from the very subtlest, very subtlest contraction, retraction or aversion you know we've been feeling such subtlety and there's more uh, but also dukkha is not just you know in the negative but it's also all the uh, all the love the joy the beauty the delight that we can't keep we see that these two are also impermanent, and if we um, hold, uh, so th th that um, if we cling to wanting to keep that which delights, um, this is dukkha. Okay, I could go more there, but I'm going to move on. So that's the first noble truth: is that we experience dukkha. Is it everybody 
anybody not experiencing dukkha this week? We're all on board with this? Yes. Okay, great. Check. The second noble truth is uh, so brilliant that uh, to be able to discern the, the cause of dukkha and he hasn't even met my in-laws so <laughs> it's not it's not all those people and this situation and this aging body and this weather and this amount of money and or lack thereof or this uh, political system um, uh, you know it's but to be able to see beneath all those things that are causing us stress and discontent and see uh, the cause of all dukkha is clinging. Clinging to how we want things to be and how we don't want things to be, in short. In short. If there is a cause, a condition for something to arise, then there can also be an ending. If we, if the, if the cause is not present, then it doesn't give rise to dukkha. So, seeing that the cause is clinging, if the third noble truth is then, oh, then it is possible for dukkha to end if clinging ends. The fourth noble truth is the way, the path, the practice, the life, the the way to this ending of dukkha. And it is what you've been practicing and what you are practicing. Uh, Yes. Okay. The fourth noble truth is what you may have heard is called the Eightfold Noble Path, the Middle Path, the Middle Path that uh, he came to uh, uh, realize called Middle Path because it's between two extremes of delighting, getting everything we want, and still not finding peace. And totally um, abandoning uh, the pleasures of the body in all ways, very extreme practices, and finding, oh, still no liberation, actually. So the middle path arose, in short. Okay, so tonight I just want to talk about one aspect of this middle path in particular. They're all related, but um, so this is called uh, Sama Vayamo. Sama means um, rightly properly and thoroughly in the Pali English dictionary. <clears throat> so it's, it's often shortened to 
right effort, right effort. Um, but we often don't say this because for us in the West, we're like, right. Let's talk about right. I know what's right. I know I'm right and you're wrong, mostly that. Um, and, you know, so the word right is pretty loaded for us. So then sometimes you'll hear it listed in some teachings where they say wise instead, wise, you know, wise effort, wise view. I'll say more about the rest of them in a moment, briefly. Um, so sometimes it's these are listed as wise, these eight aspects of the middle path. Is this too much? How are we doing? Or am I going? Okay. You can just put your hand up if it's like, what? slow down. Okay, <clears throat> so wise is not actually what sama means. So if we look at this word rightly, which has become shortened to right, if, if we think of it as upright, you know, not right as in the opposite of wrong, but right as in upright, as in... Um, um, righted, you know, like if, if a, any sailors, if a boat, you know, you're righting the ship, putting it upright. Um, uh, so it has more of that aspect to it, you know. It's not the opposite of wrong uh, in in that way. <clears throat> Uh, the, the second part of this, sama vayamo, vayamo means exertion, striving, effort, and endeavor. This is why we don't talk about this on the first day, because we're like, oh, now we're talking. I know how to do effort, striving, awesome, bring it on. And where I live, in Fergus, there's like smaller towns further north from there, and there's kind of a saying around there. I don't know if other folks have this, but uh, it's called "get her done." <laughs> get her done. What do they how do they say that in French? I don't know what it <laughs> I means. I know you don't. <laughs> get it. Get. Get it done. Get it done. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, but it's like "get her done." You have to say it like that. So, it's, so it, it's in Pali. <laughs> it's in Fergus. <laughs> so, get her done is like, tell me what to do, and I'll get her. I'll get it done. Um, yeah, you know, tell me how to get enlightened, and I will do it. Do, some sometimes we come to our practice like this, you know. Just tell me, what are the steps? I will get it done. I am going to sit down and strive and effort and concentrate until I am free. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Because uh, our culture, our economic system, our political systems, our nuclear separated families and communities are goal-oriented. 
you know, we we make vision boards and checklists and to-do lists and we have coaches and um, I'm not saying any of that's bad. If you use that, I love a good checklist. Sometimes even after I've done a thing, I'll write it down so, so I can check it off. <laughs> yes, uh-huh, yes, I have friends here, okay. <laughs> but, you know, how much of all of this is to get over our difficulties? You know, there's something difficult, there's something uncomfortable in our life, and we, like, put all these things in place, this effort to get over it, get through it, get past it. And maybe this is why we're meditating in the first place. Right? We, we maybe have come to a meditation practice because of stress, dukkha, and wanting, you know, to some other way because what, we're, what we've been trying so far isn't working. You know, so there's some skillfulness with this, but sometimes it's also, you know, has this edge to it of pushing and getting and too much, a wrong kind of striving. So this kind of righted effort rightly effort, kind of like that. This comes from kind attention, skillful, wise, kind attention, which you have cultivated, the slowing down, the investigating, the mindfulness, the returning, beginning again, the investigation of the sensations in the body, not just the stuff of the mind, the, it, but also the knowing of the papancha, seeing, oh my gosh, doesn't stop again, are we doing this again? You know, and knowing that, seeing it, watching it, and, and then dropping down and saying, oh, how does this feel? Now what's happened with it, you know? Um, This comes, this rightly effort comes from knowing dukkha, feeling dukkha, and with this calm, kind, patient, sometimes, attention, Uh, now we can start to feel into the deeper layers, you know, the deeper tissues of, of what we're really liberating here, um, So, in order to develop what is wholesome, we also need to, and it's helpful to recognize what is unwholesome, unskillful, unhelpful, 
creates more dukkha. In, in short, we could, I mean, we could list and list and list all these things that have been feeling unwholesome, un, unhelpful, unskillful, but in short, uh, it's greed, hatred, and delusion. <clears throat> greed is the the wanting something other than how it is in my body, in my mind, and certainly in everybody else, in the food, more beans, what? Um, you know, in the weather, the, the all the things. That's just here, I mean, in our life, at home, it goes on. Um, <clears throat> greed. Hatred, of course, is the... the uh, Aversion taken to another level of, you know, placing it on someone or some system, <clears throat> feeling this, um, and acting on on this storyline. <clears throat> and delusion is not seeing clearly the nature of things, in particular this, as our friend would call it, moi, um, this self, this me, and uh, not not understanding and seeing this clearly. So, this right effort, I'm going to keep saying rightly effort because I'm liking it, um, interrelates and feeds each other part of the Eightfold Path in that um, this skillful effort feeds right view, uh, right understanding, clear seeing of particularly the Four Noble Truths. When it's unwholesome effort, right view is not there. Uh, so, and then right effort feeds the second part of intention, the the intention to non harm, non ill will, renunciation. And when it is unwholesome, unskillful effort, then there's greed, hatred, and delusion. The wise, right effort feeds wise speech, wise action, uh, wise livelihood. (coughs) And then um, this sixth aspect is wise effort. But you see how effort relates to all of them. The seventh and eighth, just so we've put them in the air, is right Mindfulness and right concentration. <laughs> Notice if there's any little thoughts there of concentration. Let's talk about concentration. I want to get concentration. There's that striving. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. So this wholesome skillfulness, uh, wholesome right 
effort is 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 fed it is cultivated by attunement to the present moment with metta loving kindness friendly kind relationship radical acceptance sometimes it's referred to as and wisdom seeing clearly panya <clears throat> so part of our conditioning may be that um, you know tell me the right way right the correct way the should you know the way I should do it and um, how I should respond to whatever's showing up and I'll, I'll do that, but it, it takes immense discernment because any given moment has infinite possibilities of how to respond. Uh, you know, when you come to a small group or a private meeting, um, you know, the same issue arising uh, the teacher will give uh, one response and the s- same person, same issue, another day, a different response. Same issue, different person, same day, different response. There's, you know, it's discerned what what is... Um, yeah, so it's not like a formula, right answer thing that we're practicing. <coughs> The discernment allows us to respond reflectively, not reactively, not reflexive, not not reflex, but uh, reflective like that mirror that we talked about, you know, reflecting the present moment, kind attention, wisdom, clear seeing, and uh, from this we respond. Pascal was speaking this morning uh, about many wonderful, helpful things. One aspect was uh, the latent tendencies within each of our beings, uh, that when these um, when contact is made with you know one of the sense doors, and the latent tendency is touched, and if there's no mindfulness in that moment um, then there can be a great deal of reactivity and mental formations etc and uh, this is how unskillful efforts to abandon unskillful states can exacerbate the unskillful states right so if it's if we're not really paying attention and slow and feeling and discerning and pausing and connecting 
and we're trying to get rid of something that's unskillful that's arisen if we if we're not attending with all of these factors um, we can make a bad situation worse there's a, a sutta called the sona sutta where the buddha is uh, meeting with someone named sona it's um and this uh <clears throat> I don't have it in front of me. Paraphrasing, apologies uh, to Buddha and Sona. So, uh, Sona is ardently, very striving, great endeavor, great exertion, and is doing, uh, is, you know, up in a cave, in a mountain somewhere, and then is doing walking meditation with such. Such effort uh, that the feet become raw and bloodied, and and then at some point he stops, and it's like um, I'm I'm still uh, uh, I, I can get this part right yeah uh, um, the feet were bleeding but my mind has not been released from fermentations. Right, and uh, so then the Buddha uh, appears. It's a little magical in this story, you know. Just, uh, but anyways, and okay, yeah, because Sona is is thinking like you know, I'm still not r- released, you know, from my fermentations, and so he stops and thinks, hmm. My family is wealthy. I could go back home and make merit and, um, you know, uh, achieve merits in a future lifetime. This is, uh, you know, the practice of um, giving to receive merit uh, for, some, for some future state. Uh, so he's thinking this, like, hmm. Has anybody thought this this week? Like, hmm, why am I doing all this hard work with my sore knee and my uh, tiredness and boredom and crankiness? I could just go home and read a book on mindfulness or something. Um, So then the Buddha shows up, you know, because he has this ability to know what's happening and like a little magic genie shows up there and says... uh, Uh, Sona when you lived at home and were practicing your vina which is a Pali word for like a lute you know a little stringed instrument um, if the strings were too tight and you played it was it you know a bad sound bad sound and uh, yes yes it's true and when you played and the strings were too loose. Was it a bad sound? Yes, yes, a bad sound. Uh, and so uh, the Buddha says, over-aroused persistence leads to restlessness. Overly slack persistence leads to laziness. This is where you've heard maybe the simile of tuning the lute or tuning the stringed instrument. That It takes constant... Tuning, 
if you've played a stringed instrument, you don't tune it, and then it's tuned. It keeps, it, it, we keep having to adjust and adjust and adjust. And so this is what right effort is about. We have to keep, hmm, what's needed, what's needed, what's needed. Uh, so anyway, so, Sona hears this teaching and realizes he's been too much effort and uh, goes back to uh, practice appropriately and uh, becomes an arahant, uh, becomes a... finds some liberation. Okay. So there's four right efforts, or rightly, wise, uprighted efforts, skillful efforts. The first is to guard, this is the important word, guard against unarisen unskillfulness. So unskillfulness has not yet arisen in in this moment and we want to uh, guard against it arising protect so um, remember at the beginning I was giving kudos to the sangha so here's where I need you to help (laughs) I'd love to hear what you're Practice what your experience has shown this week or at home um, around what serves you, what shows up for you as ways to protect unskillfulness from arising. You know what I mean? Yes. Actually doing a 30-minute morning daily practice. It wasn't because my life stopped happening. It's I had more capacity to interact with whatever was going on, whether it be negative or positive. Right on. So that helps me. So I'm going to do that again when I get home. Yes. <laughs> so daily practice, 30 minutes, and how that feeds the uh, wisdom to meet whatever life is bringing us. I'm just going to repeat things for the recording. Thank you. What else? What do you do to guard against, prevent against unskillfulness arising? Yes. I ask myself, what is my intention? Yeah. Thank you. What is my intention? Being aware. So like in any kind of given moment or when something's coming up, you're like, what's my intention here? Great. Thank you. Yeah. Pause. Pause, right. Pausing. How does that, how does that guard, that pause? Can you say it? What, How does it guard against the... Um, it it uh, helps uh, with uh, reactivity. Yeah, yeah. It helps with reactivity. So the pause helps the response rather than a quick, reflexive reaction. Awesome. Yeah. Um, deliberately slowing down. Deliberately slowing down. Yeah. 
that's similar to the pause, is it, that deliberately slowing down helps you to be less yeah. or just more mindful? Less rapid. Yeah, less, less rapid, more okay, yeah. More focused, more embodied, perhaps? Am I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is this, yeah? Thank you. So much wisdom. Um, here's a uh, Anybody want to know what Buddha said? Yeah, we do. (laughs) And what is the exertion to guard? There is the case where one, on seeing a form with the eye, right, we've been talking about contact, does not grasp at any theme or variations by which, if one were to dwell without restraint over the faculty of the eye, evil, unskillful qualities such as greed or distress might assail one. One practices with restraint, one guards the faculty of the eye, achieves restraint with regard to the faculty of the eye. And then this is repeated for the ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind sense doors. This is called the exertion to guard. Okay, it sounds like a lot of weird stuff. What it means is, um, uh, protecting the sense doors is um, part of this, guarding. Uh, that. Um, so this might mean Keeping good company, you know, guarding the ear, guarding the mind. If we, if we hang out with people that gossip or are a lot of anger, um, this is going to uh, give rise to something within us, perhaps. Um, it can be as mundane as uh, uh, unsubscribing from some things in your news feed <laughs> or um, you know if, if, like if you ever buy something online the, the Google verse finds out about it and then you, you just keep getting ads like oh, you looked at toilet seats did you know they're on sale and then you just keep getting them again so you know protecting seeing what you know and then like uh, even just like uh, we used to get this magazine called Hammaker Schlemmaker or something. It, it's like it used to be this super posh stuff that you're like, I didn't know I needed that. I totally need that. It's like these really wild, bizarre, unique, expensive things, and like what? Uh, a cat merry-go-round? That's awesome. <laughs> You know, and so unsubscribing from things that just make wanting, you know, feed this this contact of wanting. <clears throat> One of the ways to practice this guarding of trying to protect against unskillfulness arising is the precepts. First day here. Um... 
really revisiting and undertaking. It's kind of like those intentions, you know, the precepts of non-harm and non, uh, non-stealing and uh, kind speech. Um, uh, being s- s- really aware of intoxicants, etc. Okay, so the next one, uh, which is um, how to abandon unskillfulness when it has arisen. The first is to protect against its arising, and then, you know, we do that, but still, blank happens, life happens. That still, these latent things are touched in us, we're triggered, you know, this, we see something, we hear something, we, a thought arises, etc., and uh, anger is here, um, greed is here, uh, etc. So, when something has arisen, what do you do? What's your practice? How do you abandon when it has arisen, when it's come up in you? Maybe this week, maybe at home. What do you do? So something's triggered in you. Something comes up. It's like um, that feels unskillful, unwise, unbeneficial. What do you do? How do you how do you cope with that? What's your way? Breathe. Breathe, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> breathe in, in a different way, breathe like just take take some breaths. Take some breaths, some conscious, intentional breaths. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Okay, yeah, it's related to that reactivity, it kinda helps. <sighs> what else? Yeah? Name it, right on. Identify. Well, what is this? Well, and and yeah, thank you. Naming it. What goes with naming it? What have we been practicing here? Hmm? Accepting equanimity. Yes. <laughs> but also feeling it in the body. Were you going to say that? Yeah, yeah. Self-compassion. Self-compassion. Thank you. Yes. Compassion. Mm-hmm. Reconnect with the body. Yes. Here and now. Here, yeah. Here and now. Yeah. Yes, because we know, we know that when unskillfulness has arisen, there's usually... Papancha, the proliferation of mind states and the contraction of the body, you know, and this is where the breathing, the um, all this helps, and and then feeling, oh, actually, I'm here now. Uh, okay. <clears throat> this is good. Here's what the Buddha says. There is a case where one does not give in to acquiesce to a thought of sensuality that has arisen in one. One abandons it, destroys it, 
dispels it, wipes it out of existence. What? One does not acquiesce to a thought of ill will, and it goes on, you know, abandon, destroy, dispel, wipe it out of existence, or a thought of violence. So this is greed, hatred, and delusion. But you, those are strong, aren't they? Is that what you were expecting? That's like, what? I, I was so surprised when I first heard this. So this is so interesting. Abandon it, destroy it, dispel it, wipe it out of existence. <laughs> Here's where things can get very unskillful with our practice because we're like, yeah, there's ill will aro- uh, arising. Push it down. No, uh, you know, we can really misinterpret this uh, to, you know, I'm going to abandon that, like, I'm not that, uh, you know, uh, that's not mine. Um, we can, uh, this can cause a suppression. And, as was wisely asked this morning, spiritual bypassing. No, not me. I don't do that. I'm a white light to you all and loving just... Uh, this is not a part of my experience. This is not what he's talking about. What this is pointing to is that it's different. You see how it, it, it the the response here gets a little stronger with each one. Abandon it. Sometimes we can just abandon something. So uh, greed has arisen in me. Oh. Oh, wanting another donut? Mm, no. It can just abandon it. I can just kind of set it aside. And then, uh, well, that didn't do it. Destroys it. Okay. Then that takes a little more, like, work and discerning, like, ah, oh, is this really what's needed? What's this about? Feeling this as wanting, feeling the sensation. Is this what uh, the being needs right now and really, you know, takes a little more investigation to really try to destroy it or dispel it. Um, and, you know, sometimes that doesn't work. Like, some of you have found this this week, right? Like, some state has arisen and we're like, okay, they're telling me to be mindful. I'm mindful. I'm mindful. I'm aware of this. This is happening. It's not going away. All right. Okay. Well, so then, you know, some things just don't let go that easily. So sometimes we might need to replace the thought skillfully, not bypassing, but like um, there's a lot of... uh, So, okay, personal example. Hmm... So, sometimes I'm out at the grocery store and seeing other beings and judging habit, latent seed of judging is uh, stimulated and there's critical and judging mind of some other being there and, and then that's noticed but 
you know, the habit kind of keeps going with the blah, blah, blah. So then I skillfully replace that by, may you be safe. May I be peaceful. May you be safe. Safe from my harmful thoughts. May you be safe. May you be safe. So this is like, hmm, I see it, I feel it, I know it's unskillful, and I replace it. Sometimes this mind in fear gets, uh, you know, mother, mother mind, uh, really fixated on fear around um, my partner or the kids, kids or adults. But, um, and just to instantly into worst case scenario, you know, if I don't hear from them for a while or they're late or something, it's like, oh, I'm already, what am I going to wear to the funeral? What am I going to say? It's like it just goes there so fast and the whole big papancha thing. And it's like, what? That's A, not happening. B, they're, you know, it's not helping them. It's not helping me. So then I have to really wipe it out of existence. And to do that, I have to be quite firm with myself and say, no, stop. Like, quite firm. No. Stop. So, So these are just personal examples of how this is used, from my experience anyways. All right. It's fun. <laughs> yes. So interesting. There's only two more. Okay. So then, how do we develop unarisen skillful? So we've talked about what's unskillful. Now, the other two focus on what is skillful. How do we develop, cultivate what is wholesome and skillful for it to arise? What do you do? Daily yeah. practice. Daily practice, again. And one of my other tools is to adequately eat nutritious food. Oh, yes. That's so it just helps to balance and regulate everything. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, how we nourish the body. How much sleep are we getting? Am I, you know, attending with the right... Um, Healthcare for this being totally. Thank you. What else? How do you develop skillfulness to arise in you? Hmm. No. Hang out with uh, skillful people. Yeah, man. <laughs> Hang out with skillful people. Good company. Sangha, community, teachers. Yes. What about the Brahma Viharas? Right? Is this not a way to develop and cultivate skillfulness? <coughs> Compassion, metta, mudita, joy, equanimity. Yes. What the Buddha pointed to, I uh, won't read the Pali because the language, but it, it basically is the seven factors of awakening. And this is what you've been doing and practicing a lot this week. Mindfulness, 
investigation, energy, joy, calm, concentration, and equanimity. Um, Yeah. All right, last one is again with skillfulness what is the what is needed to maintain when skillfulness has arisen so there's a wholesome skillful wise kind presence arisen cultivated developed arisen then how do we maintain this yeah don't do it Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> Don't cling to it. <laughs> okay. Clinging takes us back to dukkha. Yeah, so noticing this state has arisen, and then, so then, um, what else? How, do, how else is it uh, de- developed to continue and maintain and grow even? Maybe the same things too that we mentioned before. Right? So, yeah. yeah. All of that. Having the first experience leads to other experiences. Right. Remember when we talked about equanimity, a previous moment of equanimity conditions a succeeding moment of equanimity. So knowing it, being aware of knowing, oh, this is wholesome. There's kindness here. There's awareness. There's embodied presence. There's equanimity. Oh, this feeds a succeeding moment. (laughs) This is going to end with a bang. (laughs) Here's what the Buddha said. So good. (laughs) You're not expecting this. This is how. This is how to maintain. Arisen skillfulness. There is a case where one maintains a favorable theme of concentration. The skeleton perception, the worm-eaten perception, the livid perception, the festering perception, the falling apart perception, the bloated perception, and this does not just refer to all the beans. It's referring to Impermanence. Yes? Seeing, contemplating, knowing. This flesh and bone. Impermanence. Isn't that a surprise? How does that help us to maintain arisen skillfulness? What is that? How does that connect for you? Does anybody see a connection with that? That you will maintain it? <laughs> it will return at some point? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, impermanence. I'm taking quite clearly the idea that it's not going to continue. Okay. <laughs> so that this. It may return. Okay. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this relates to mm-hmm. what you're asking, but Thich Nhat Hanh said it in such a simple way. He said, water the flowers and just leave the weeds. Like, you don't have to 
you know, dry them out. Just water the flowers, and then the oh, weeds will take care of themselves. Okay. So that, you know, it's almost like you're entering into the natural way things are. Oh, I see. So naturally, if you don't water the weeds, they'll, 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 will, mm. they'll die. Mm. But if you water the flowers, because there's some action here, mm-hmm. the right, right mm. efforts. Mm-hmm. So Thich Nhat Hanh uses this nature image that just works in my mind. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, like the kindness is a flower. Yeah, Compassion what do I feed? What do I want? I'm just going to water this. Great. Then there's some acceptance of your son. I, I'm not the son, so that in the yeah. whole nature of things, yeah. this will 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 blossom. Yeah, and I can trust that. That's lovely. Yeah, trusting into the nature of things that what I give attention to that is skillful and wholesome and water will flourish, and what I uh, there's kind of an not an abandonment. Knowing it's there, yeah. but you're you're not going to um, you're not ignoring it. Yeah, but you're yeah. also not. Um, doing anything that makes it proliferate. Thank you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, this uh, this connects with time is precious and opportunity is lost. Let us awaken. Awaken. I will not squander my life. I, I want to maintain what is arisen, skillful, wholesome, because time is precious, opportunity is lost. Every moment of how I am with myself and the world and each other is vitally important. Little sit, little sit. excerpt from Tom Barrett's poem, What's in the Temple? In the quiet spaces of my mind, a thought lies still, but ready to spring. It begs me to open the door so it can walk about. The poets speak in obscure terms, pointing madly at the unsayable. The sages say nothing but walk ahead, patting their thigh, calling for us to follow. The monk sits pen in hand, poised to explain the cloud of unknowing. The seeker seeks just around the corner from the truth. If she stands still, it will catch up with her. Pause with us here a while. Put your ear to the wall of your heart. Listen for the whisper of knowing there. Love will touch you if you are very still.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.